Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land. And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Well, I've just been through the greatest deer season of my life. And believe me, I've been through lots of them, about five decades worth. But what's what's so special this year? Well, it had to do with family. And friends, too. But I've been a lot of deer camps throughout the decades, hunted lots of different places. But this year was really special because I simply stayed home. I've got just a few acres in the Missouri Ozarks. But uh, for about 30 years, I've been working on food plots, and I've got them up in uh, great shape. And have they ever been working extremely well and uh, I work on them practically all year long. It seems like it's just a great hobby to get out and play in the dirt and plant seeds and watch things grow. But, hey, the Missouri deer season is fabulous this year. It was predicted by our Missouri Department of Conservation that numbers, uh, kill numbers might be up this year, and it looked like that might be the case. I don't have the final numbers uh, yet, although our deer season has wound up. But opening season, opening days, Saturday and Sunday, uh, that was November the 13th and 14th, we had almost 90,000 deer killed in the state of Missouri. Man, that is a lot of venison going on to dinner tables and providing lots of food for people and going to food pantries. And, of course, our share of the harvest program in the state of Missouri received lots of uh, venison as well. There will be tens of thousands of people fed from these deer that were taken during deer season. So what an incredible season. But personally, I mean, mentioned in the beginning of the program a moment ago that it was the grandest deer season of all since I've been deer hunting, and I'm 72 years old. But this year, I uh, concentrated on my grandchildren just just a bit. They're getting old enough to deer hunt. Uh, One of them has killed a deer already, but I had two grandchildren this year to kill their very first deer. Boy, were they excited. I was excited, and it's just been a, a kind of a season of celebration here in the Cooper household with the, the families around, the kids around, everybody having a great time. But uh, back to my food plot discussion just a little bit. Uh, I've got uh, oh, some trails cut through the woods here on my place, and I've uh, planted those in oats and clover, and that kind of keeps uh, deer coming on the place to the feed to feed because I'm a uh, I'm in the Missouri Ozarks, and my place is almost entirely wooded, but I've cut openings as I've cut wood over the years and created openings for the wildlife. I uh, put in a small pond. It gives them a place to water. So it's it's been a, a work of love over these decades. And also have about a one-acre food plot uh, probably 200 yards behind my home. And there, there's lots of deer in this area. And uh, the population has been up this year. Probably seven or eight years ago, we had a big EHD die-off in this region, and deer became rather scarce. And for a few years, we could only get one extra permit. Uh, that's the Angeles permits that sometimes you can buy in some of the counties. But uh, this year, I purchased two extra archery 
uh, Angeles deer permits, and so that gives me the ability to kill up to uh, four deer this year with archery equipment. And I've already taken two, and I took two of those, uh, a young deer and a big doe, very early in the in the season. In fact, uh, both seasons started September the fifteenth. Uh, could have taken one deer on the 15th, the first day I went out, but it was just really extremely hot, and I just don't want, didn't want to deal with a the deer. Then the second time I went out, I had uh, three within uh, 15, 20 yards, going to be an easy shot, and a, a neighbor not too far away started a loud vehicle and scared them off. Those things happen. But the third time I went out, I scored, and boy, was it ever fun to uh, get that first deer of the season and get it under my, my belt. But I've had a great time. Two deer in the freezer. But the highlight of my season been, of course, uh, hunting with grandchildren. Uh, Ronnie Cooper Austin, 10 years old from St. Charles, Missouri, uh, came out and spent uh, opening weekend with me. Actually, just that Saturday, uh, he was, had been out of school on Friday and came over on Friday. And thought was going to get to stay till Monday, but some family plans changed. And he actually had to leave on Saturday. So it, it rushed our season just a little bit we were out early in the morning setting on a double tree stand together and it was really windy and unfortunately we didn't see any deer that morning but came back in for a little breakfast and that sort of thing and mom was going to pick him up at noon then we uh, got word that uh, that was going to be pushed back to three o'clock so we went out and sat in the ground blind for a couple more hours still with no luck and we Managed to get back uh, to the house by 3 o'clock to be ready for Mom. And then we got word that Mom hadn't left St. Charles yet. So we had some more hunting time, and we took advantage of it. We went back out to the ground blind at 4 o'clock. And uh, just a few minutes after 4, I saw uh, two deer coming through the woods, and uh, they were headed for the food plot. And, of course, uh, we got all excited. Ronnie's all excited, and he had to move his uh, 243 rifle from one shooting window to the the next and he did it a little quickly and I was concerned the deer might have caught his movement to stop for a few minutes but all was well and they came out uh, on out into the food plot and I was talking to Ronnie trying to encourage him to wait for a the big doe these were two young deer and i thought maybe he'd wait for the big doe to come out but he was so excited about taking his first deer he wanted to take the uh, the bigger one of these two so we we had to do a little adjusting they didn't come straight out in front of the blinds and they kind of came to the right side so he had to move in his chair just a little bit he was very cautious and uh managed to get his uh, 243 rifle poked out the uh, right corner window and uh told him now remember remember all your shooting techniques take a deep breath kind of hold your breath uh get settled in on the deer right behind the shoulder put your crosshairs there slip the safety off and uh take that deep breath again hold it stay as steady as you can and then slowly squeeze that trigger and boy, it was just so much fun to watch him. And he he did just a perfect job. Did hit his deer just a little far back, but uh, I knew as soon as he pulled the trigger, he had hit the deer. And of course, kids when they shoot and adults do it too. We blink our eyes, and sometimes we don't know what happened. But the deer took off to our right and down through the woods. Not sure, Ronnie, that he had he had hit the deer. So we gave it about ten minutes, and uh, that was a long ten minutes for him, for a ten-year-old boy to sit still in a in a blind and wait to go see if if he had in fact 
hit this deer, but it didn't take us long to find a little little bit of blood, and he tracked through the woods, and uh, blood was a little scarce because he'd hit the deer far back and a little high, and uh, so we kind of headed to general direction, and then we'd pick up a drop or two of blood here, there, and yonder, and about 75 yards into a, a big uh, white oak uh, wooded area, we found Ronnie's first deer, and boy, was it ever a celebration right there in the woods as he hollered and squealed and and uh, kept telling me, look at my deer, Papa, look at my deer, you know, and of course, I was as happy as he was, and what a time it was together, times that we will remember for the rest of our lives, and I'm sure that he will. I would love to have been able to listen to the stories that he told to his family and friends. I'm sure that deer got bigger as time went, but it was interesting because Ronnie had gone out deer hunting several years ago when he was like six years old. His sister, big, big sister, had killed a deer. So, of course, he wanted to kill one, too, but it was pretty cold that day, and we went out and sat for about an hour and a half, and he'd had enough, and he hadn't expressed any more interest in the last few years in deer hunting or hunting of any kind, and I try not to push children. I try to lead them into hunting, and I always made sure that Ronnie saw pictures of uh, deer that I had taken around the place or deer that we harvested and that told the stories, and, of course, we ate deer at a lot of our meals, and he... Uh, finally came around and got interested again, and he asked me this year if I would take him during the youth season. Now he's wanting to come back during the second portion of our youth deer season, which is the 27th and 28th of November, and I'm sure he'll be back, and I hope he gets lucky enough to be able to collect that second deer. But uh, also in the family, Jaden Cooper. Uh, Jaden is... uh, my son Jason's oldest daughter, and she was 17 this year. She's actually hunted for several years, uh, but has never uh, taken a deer. So she asked about hunting with me this year here on the food plots. Now, of course, I was tickled pink to have her come. Beautiful young lady, very talented, beautiful voice, doing great things in school, and uh, was so proud to have her come along. But we, she actually could only hunt on uh, Sunday afternoon of a regular rifle season. But she had a play that she was in, a school play at 2 o'clock. So she was going to be pushing uh, 4 o'clock getting here. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, sundown is right at 5 o'clock. So we wasn't going to have but a short period of time to hunt. But I was thrilled to take her regardless it was time we would get to spend together in the woods in a blind and and uh, just hope and prayed that she would get a shot opportunity well we sat in the blind and talked about uh, just catching up talked about everything that was going on at school and of course kept her voices down and uh, had the blind this particular blind set uh, kind of edge of the woods but out the right window we could see the food plot uh, clearly but we were i was hoping it enter that she could intercept one of the four bucks that had been coming into my food plots. But about 40 minutes into her sit, uh, I'd been using a small pair of binoculars, and I caught some movement through the woods, and I thought first it was a squirrel because it was low to the ground. But uh, once I lowered my binoculars and began to scan the woods, I started picking out pieces of a of, of a deer moving through the woods. And I alerted uh, Jaden, and she made her quick quick but slow movements in the in the blind she had to turn in her chair and get her rifle again a, a move from one shooting window to the next and uh, 
She did it just perfectly, but I thought I caught just a little bit of trembling in her hands as she moved that two forty three rifle. But uh, she quickly picked up on the deer, and it, it paused in the woods. Stopped maybe it had picked up some of her movement, but it paused for a minute or two in the woods and then slowly uh, came out into the food plot and began uh, feeding on uh, deer radishes, which has been a major attractant for deer in, in my food plots in the last couple of years. But uh, I couldn't see the deer yet from where I was sitting, but I heard Jaden slip her safety off, and she was down on the rifle, and uh, just very quickly came the boom. And she just turned around, <laughs> looked at me with a uh, smile as big as a five-gallon buckets, you know, and she, she was thrilled and, and, and happy as as I was as well. And I had seen the, the deer when she shot, and it almost went down, so I knew that she got a good shot on it uh, right behind the shoulder, double-lung shot. In fact, we saw the deer go down at the other end of the food block. And, again, we took just a few minutes to make sure that the deer had expired. And Jaden was so elated about the whole experience she wanted to take it all in uh, even though we saw where the deer go down she wanted to pick up the blood trail see what the blood looked like and of course there's pink frothy blood so we knew that she'd made a good lung shot and uh, she followed the blood trail all the way to her deer poked it in the rear end with a rifle barrel to make sure that it was in fact uh, expired and boy, then the laughter, the hugs, and the kisses, and the picture taking began. She got on the phone, notified her father, who was only Jason was only a mile and a half away, and uh, he rushed down and took some more photographs. And they shared those moments together, and uh, we just had a great time. But uh, Jaden also uh, field dressed her own deer with a little bit of. Uh, assistance from her father and that was another great thing to watch you know because she understood the whole life and death cycle and she understood what she had just done she had taken the life of an animal but she knew it was going to provide good food for her and her family as well and that was another whole discussion she was so excited about what she was going to do with that deer uh, she wanted the back straps out of it and the inner little back straps uh, to make steaks out of and then she wanted to have a jalapeno and cheese summer sausage made and uh I wound up taking her deer to the processor the the next day uh, down in Salem, Missouri. The folks um, down there make some great, great meats and sausages. And so Jaden's going to be able to proudly present to her family some meat that she harvested herself. And uh, what a great process, but what a great joy for me as a grandparent to be able to share these moments with kids in the Missouri outdoors and watch them take their very first deer. Don't go away. I'm Bill Cooper, and we'll be right back with some more great outdoor information. Hey everyone, Brandon Licklider here with the Marys County Bank. Uh, today I wanted to share some information with you on a scenario that I've been dealing with recently with some customers on the financing side and hopefully be able to ease some minds as, as you all are out there looking for um, some beautiful properties to obtain that's on the market today. 
Um, if you're in the market for some new property, but you aren't sure exactly what type of transaction you're going to be looking for, um, don't let that discourage you from going ahead and going through the pre-qualification process um, just to be prepared to move on a property that you're interested in. Um, I've been dealing here lately with a lot of customers who are a little bit uncertain as to what type of transaction they're going to be getting into, whether it's just land at this time, or maybe they're going to buy some land with future construction, or possibly going ahead and, and buying that dream land that, that already has the house on site. Um, they are a little different loan products that we work through, but uh, we can go ahead and, and pre-qualify you based on any of those scenarios to make sure you're you're ready to go whenever the time's right and, and you see that property out there. They, they sure aren't lasting long when they hit the market. So uh, if this is a scenario that you're dealing with, you know, at this point in time, feel free to reach out to myself at 573 573- I'd be glad to go over any potential options with you that that may apply to your specific scenario and answer any questions you may have. Um, In closing, just want to let you know again, this is Brandon Licklider with the Marys County Bank, and we are an equal housing lender and member FDIC. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. I'm Bill Cooper. In the first segment, we talked about the Missouri deer season, a little bit of archery season, a little bit of the rifle season, which is just uh, wound up. Uh, in the first couple of days, we took about 90,000 deer in the state of Missouri. Haven't got the uh, final figures for the season, but I'm sure it's uh, 200,000, give or take a few. And by the time we get to January 15th and all the archery seasons, the special seasons, I'm sure we'll be approaching uh, 300,000 or more white-tailed deer that will have been harvested in the grand state of Missouri. Uh, always give a big shout-out to our Missouri Department of Conservation and the good work that they have done in restoring wildlife habitat and bringing back especially of white-tailed deer and a wild turkey to the state of Missouri. Hey, I took a little break and went outside with uh, my two dogs. I've got a fire pit right out the front door. And about three or four times a week, me and the two dogs, we have a little campfire. Hey, it's great for all of us. Sit back and relax, scratch the dog's ears, talk to them. And, uh, of course, they're always wanting some treats. We have a grand time out there. But while I was sitting out there, I was enjoying a little snack myself. I was having some Tex-Mex Mac treats from uh, Zimmerman Quality Meats down at Salem, Missouri. I know our family took some of our deer down there to have processed, and so we can't wait till we can get some of these uh, quality uh, snack sticks back ourselves. And also was nibbling a little bit on some uh, jalapeno and pepper cheese summer sausage. That's one of my favorites. If you you don't have a good uh, meat packer for your deer, boy, do some uh, research and try your best to get a good packer because uh, these meats uh, hey they can be a little bit expensive but boy they're worth it as an extra treat they make good gifts as well in fact if uh, you want to give your way here's a way put me on your christmas list always looking for a little something extra to eat and particularly snacks great to take along on hiking camping fishing trips as well and uh, i'm sure some of these are going to make it into my various packs as i head out on uh, different excursions over the rest of the season this year lots of things going on but boy great food i've already had some fabulous deer uh, meals had some venison backstrap uh, just a few days ago a few evenings ago i cooked uh, dinner had just some real small medallions off of a small deer out of the backstrap sliced them about one inch thick browned them in a skillet 
and then boy, just smothered them in uh, brown gravy, and mushrooms, and onions, and let those things simmer for about an hour and a half, and you could literally cut them with your fork, and boy, served up with some other uh, fresh vegetables. Uh, it was a fantastic meal. But I've got two complete deer in the freezer now, and I still got a couple archery tags left. In fact, uh, I might go out this as soon as I finish up this uh, podcast and get out on uh, one of my stands and try to take another deer yet. I'd like to have at least one more to put in the freezer, and I'll probably have it all made up either into ground uh, deer or snack sticks or a combination of each. Regardless of what I have it made into, it will all get eaten here in the Cooper household. We do love our venison. But uh, speaking of venison and recipes, man, here's a good one for my Outdoor Celebrities cookbook uh, submitted by Larry Wysoon. You know, he's the Texas deer biologist that we see on the TV shows. Larry's a great outdoorsman, great biologist, and he does love the deer hunt. But uh, he has a recipe called Marisol Ranch Stew. And uh, boy, does it ever sound good. But Larry says, cut the venison portions of hindquarter into one-inch square cubes, approximately 24 ounces worth. In a large stew pot, pour in sufficient bacon drippings to cover the bottom and heat. Add a teaspoon of ground chili pepper along with a couple dashes of garlic powder. When the grease is hot, drop in the cubed venison, sear all sides of the cubes in the bacon drippings. Once all the cubes have been seared, reduce heat, and pour in warm water so all the meat is covered by at least two inches. Set on medium heat and cover it with a lid. Allow to cook for about 15 minutes, then check water level and add a 10.5 to 12-ounce can of beef broth and a 14 to 16-ounce can of peeled whole tomatoes. Also add two large white onions, which have been quartered. Then close the pot with the lid and allow it to cook for another 15 minutes on medium heat. While cooking, peel and cube four fairly large potatoes. Then place potatoes in the stew pot, stirring them into the mixture. Set on low heat and allow to cook for a minimum of one hour. In some instances, it might take two hours on low heat. Check the stew periodically to be certain there's about two inches or more liquid above the meat and potato mixture. If fluid level needs replenishing, just add more water. Approximately 30 minutes before mealtime, put two tablespoons of flour in a water glass, then adding water, stirring all the while to make a thin, syrupy mixture. Pour this mixture into the stew and stir to uh, thicken it uh, just a little bit. Heat for a short while and then serve along with jalapenos and crackling cornbread. Guaranteed to take the chill out and have diners looking for more. Man, Larry, that sounds like a great recipe. I haven't tried it yet, but I've got enough deer meat on hand. I'm going to be trying this recipe and quite a few more before winter's over. But, uh, boy, some other recipes that... uh, you might be answering in some of them, you know, just uh, uh, short recipes. I like those. Oh, Walter Parrott, you know, famous turkey hunter from Missouri. He has a real simple recipe that he just calls fried uh, venison. And, uh, man, it's it's about as simple as you get. He calls it deer tenderloin, of course. He says, just slice the deer tenderloin into three-quarter-inch steaks. Marinate in Dale's sauce for about 30 minutes. And that's a pretty dark, strong marinade you can pick up at Walmart. 30 minutes only. Uh, wrap a strip of bacon around each tenderloin steak and grill it until it's done. I tell you, this stuff will melt in your mouth. Uh, it's a great marinade, great tender venison. With that bacon wrapped around it, 
Oh, that's going to be stuff that will not last long, particularly if you've got buddies around. But those are just a couple of good recipes. And uh, <clears throat> with deer season going on, man, I, I've never, I don't think, ever seen more big bucks posted on Facebook than what I've seen this year, you know, from all over the country. But, of course, I keep my eye on the Midwest, particularly uh, Missouri, Kansas, and Iowa. So many big bucks come out of that region and been a lot of young youngsters kill some really big bucks as well and uh, i'm more of a meat hunter than a big buck hunter and i've let the bucks on my place uh pass just got a few acres in the missouri ozarks and have four bucks coming into my food plots and uh uh grandkids might take uh, those or at least one or two of them in the late youth season this year but for me i look for the meat to go in the freezer and i've got plenty of it to eat this uh, winter that's that's for sure but uh some other things that's going on in the outdoors man there's always something here in the ozarks and uh, i like to uh like to read a lot in the fall and the winter particularly when i'm spending a lot of time uh in the outdoors and uh walt whitman once said alone in the mountains i hunt wandering amazed at my own lightness and glee in the late afternoon choosing a safe spot to pass tonight kindling a fire and brawling the fresh killed game, falling asleep on the gathered leaves with my dog and gun by my side. Doesn't that paint a wonderful picture? But that that came about in 1860. Uh, lots of great sayings, great writings that come from great writers in the outdoors. And I always like to share a few of those with you. Well, Thanksgiving's coming up in just a couple of days, and I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you have some venison to eat. I'm sure we will to go along with that Thanksgiving turkey. You know, they watch a lot of football games, sit around the fireplace and tell stories and watch TV together. Just have some great family times. There's nothing like it, particularly if you're an outdoor family, because there's never, ever going to be a, a shortage of stories being told. And of course, uh, you got to play that game of one-upmanship, up, trying to tell a better story than the last person who told a story. But I can tell you where our ears are going to be pointed this year. It'll be at uh, my grandchildren. Uh, uh, a couple of them have killed the very first deer this year, and uh, they love telling their stories. And they tell them over and over and over. And it's amazing how the deer do get a little bigger with uh, each story that they tell. But that's okay. They learned it from Grandpa. Well, Christmas is not too far away either, and that's one of the most difficult times of the year for a lot of uh, people because, well, we feel like we have to buy for everybody in the family and a few friends and that sort of thing. But if you've got outdoor family members and and outdoor friends, the job is relatively easy. Just think back to this past deer season, both the archery and the rifle seasons, and what things did uh, you need or did your family members or uh, friends need in the outdoors that maybe they didn't have. Of course, any deer hunter would welcome a new deer rifle under the Christmas tree. That may be dreaming a little bit, but I know uh, uh, three of my grandchildren hunted this year. None of them have rifles of their own, and hopefully they'll get a rifle this year. Grandpa won't be a bomb all, but uh, I'm sure they've looked forward to uh, deer rifles under the Christmas tree, but keep in mind when you're buying uh, rifles, either for the youth hunters or adults, uh, keep in mind these days uh, the calibers that you can find uh, ammunition for, because some calibers are in short supply, so be sure and investigate and do your 
home study before you go to buy a rifle for somebody because you want to make sure that they can get ammunition for it. Be sure to include a couple boxes of ammunition if you go to expense to buy a, a good rifle. Uh, of course, good calibers for the uh, youth hunters are the 243s and 25 out 6 and so Of course, adults, uh, you need kind of quiz them a little bit somehow to find out what their favorite caliber may be. Of course, I grew up in the area of the era of the 270 uh, when it was made famous by Jack O'Connor. But I also have a uh, uh, 30-06, 270, and even old 3030. Once in a while, I like to take that Marlin 3030 lever action, go out into the little thicker woods, and it's short enough. It's easy to maneuver in the in the thicker brush and on tree stands and that sort of thing. But there's a ton of other things that the outdoorsmen will look forward to having uh, at Christmas. You know, if they're hunters and fishermen, man, all you got to do is get online or look at the Bass Pro and Cabela's catalogs or others that come out. And there's tons of gifts from relatively inexpensive things to very expensive things that you could buy for outdoorsmen. Hey, I need to take another break here, but I'll be right back with a third and final segment of Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. It's giveaway time, and I've said many times this is my favorite part of the program because I love giving this gift certificates away on every program, which is every other week. We give away a certificate worth a hundred dollars either for merchandise or in many cases there are a hundred dollar gift certificates to Academy Sports and Outdoors. But uh the giveaway this week is a $100 gift certificate to Rich's Famous uh, Burgers located in Steelville, Missouri. They're getting ready to open in St. James, Missouri, but a $100 gift certificate, that'll get you a lot of burgers. Before we announce uh, today's winner, I'd like to run through the list of uh, Living the Dream Outdoor podcast sponsors, and they include... Include, of course, Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, the Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stainwater Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzal Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, Rich's Famous Burgers, The Fallen Outdoors, Let Go Sinker and Lure Company, and Turnbow Outdoors. That's quite a list of great outdoor sponsors that we have. We encourage you to use these people's services as often as you can because they do help keep us in business. But, uh, hey, great things going on in the outdoors on the podcast itself. I talked about deer season, some great waterfowl hunting that I've been enjoying. And we love to encourage you to get out and enjoy the great outdoors. And there's no better place to do that than right here in the Missouri Ozarks. Well, let's draw. Let's reach in the hat. Stir this around real good. See if we can pull out a winner. And, boy, they're ever going to get some good eats. <laughs> the winner today is Miss Sheila Shockley. And, Sheila, if you don't hear the podcast, we'll get a hold of you. Make sure that you uh, can pick up your certificate and go enjoy some famous, richest burgers. Uh, great food. $100. I don't think little Sheila can eat $100 worth of burgers, but uh, she's she's got some grandkids uh, that she can take along, I'm sure, can polish that right off Congratulations, Sheila. And, folks, the way that you can enter into this uh, 
semi-weekly drawing is to simply go to the Living the Dream Outdoors Podcast Facebook page and like the page and then just type in the comment section, type in your name, and you will be entered into the next uh, next drawing. And again, it's so easy to do. Great way to uh, make a quick $100 that you can go spend either at Academy or pick up some great uh, services and products from our great sponsors. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, and we've talked about some exciting things today, particularly Deer season, tens of thousands of people went out into the woods and the fields across the country, man, and enjoyed some fabulous deer hunting. We're in the actual heydays of deer hunting, if you ask me. I can remember as a child in the Missouri Boot Hill, I never saw a deer or wild turkey, either one. It was uh, always a talk of the little towns and the little country stores if somebody even found a deer track. But today, I'm happy to say I can walk right out my back door just 100 yards or less and begin to pick up deer tracks around my ponds and food plots and trails through the woods. And it's a great thing to be able to enjoy these fabulous animals. I talked recipes. I talked about my uh, grandkids and all the great joys and satisfactions and adventures they've enjoyed during deer season talk about christmas a little bit and i'm going to talk about that just a little bit more uh, it's coming up pretty soon but some other great things that you can pick up for outdoorsmen uh videos publications one of my favorite outdoor publications these days is hook and barrel magazine look it up it comes out of texas and boy it's it's the outdoor magazine for today's outdoorsman because it's uh uh, put together by a young man and very well presented, high-quality paper, slick, and they cover a lot of topics. You know, you can find your favorite rock and rollers or your favorite bottle of wine or, or cigar inside the covers of this magazine, but there's all, always a celebrity, not necessarily a high-profile outdoor celebrity, but uh, entertainment celebrities are covered in this magazine as, as well and many of them most of them are hunters and give uh, unusual perspectives sometime on their ideals about hunting and the outdoors but hook and barrel magazine be sure and look that one up uh every outdoorsman will enjoy it another magazine that's fairly new and i run across that uh, just re- recently is called strong magazine tied to nature man it is a fabulous i don't know what that is 11 and a half but 14 Lay out a big magazine, tremendous photography, some of the best uh, articles about the outdoors, particularly waterfowling, fly fishing, that I've seen anywhere. So these are two uh, magazines that I get in my household. And uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of outdoor magazines have gone by the wayside in the last uh, decade or so. And here are a couple new magazines are kind of filling the void. And I'm so glad to see that. So look into these. They make great Christmas gifts for the outdoors person in your life. Of course, I'm a voracious reader, and I love to read about uh, fly fishing, one of my most favorite topics. And I'd like to quickly mention some books uh, there that you might consider for the fly fisherman or the prospective fly fisherman in your family. On the Spine of Time is a fly fisher's journey among mountain people, 
Streams and Trout. It's written by the late Harry Middleton. He's one of my favorite outdoor writers, one of those guys that just has a suave way with words, and he can paint you a picture that makes you want to be there. Another favorite book of mine is uh, called Angling Days, a Fly Fisher's Journals by Robert D. Mott. And I love anything that has to do with a journal, particularly when it comes to uh, uh, fly fishing. But Tom McQuain, author of The Longest Silence, had this to say about this book. It's a rich book indeed, the work of a passionate and cultivated writer who can actually fish and seize the place of angling in a thoughtful life. DeMott has a lot to tell us about how the game is played and what it means, a cultivated, unpretentious, and useful contribution to our literature. Fly fishing literature, man, great, great stuff. Another book I liked is Ted Leeson's The Habitat of Rivers. It's reflections on trout streams and fly fishing. And John Gerick, the author of The the Trout Bum, he says Ted Leeson is a flawless observer and a fine writer. This is one heck of a good book. Uh, For Gerick to give that kind of accolades, it's got to be good. I've yet to read that, but looking forward to it. Hope to get it done over the uh, over the winter. Title Grace by Eric Chambers is a story of fishing, family, and faith on Oregon's Yakina River. Of course, I'm here in the Missouri Ozarks. Most of the reading I do is about the Ozarks, but here's an opportunity to read something from the uh, West Coast. And one of my f- all-time favorite books, and once again, is by Harry Middleton. And I bought this book way back, I want to say in the 80s, but The Earth is Enough. It's about growing up in a world of fly fishing, trout, and old men. And I I don't want to give the story away, but as the story goes, Middleton uh, uh, was on the island of Hawaii. His parents were in the military, and he had quite a traumatic experience there. He and a little buddy uh, would run around the island filing war War two relics, and unfortunately, one day they found a hand grenade, and it didn't turn out well for uh, Harry's little buddy. But Harry wound up going to the mountains of Arkansas and spending uh, several of his young years with a couple of old uncles on a dilapidated farm. But their saving grace in Harry's, too, was the fact that they were trout fishermen and taught him how to trout fish. And one of my all-time favorites as well is called of Winds and Tides by Stu Apt. And Stu Apt, oh, was a voracious writer and traveler around the world. He was an airline pilot for many years and got to see much of the world and fished much of the world. But his all-time favorite was fly fishing for tarpon. But I want to continue on with the program and talk uh, just a little bit about another favorite outdoor activity of mine that's still going on right now, our uh, Missouri duck season is full swing. I've had some good success, killed some mallards and gadwalls and some teal, and look forward to getting out a few few more times. But if you're like me and you're a mature outdoorsman, that's, you know, in your 60s and 70s and even 80s, a lot of guys that age range begin to really slow down their outdoor activities, and many of them hang up their fly rods and spinning rods and their uh, shotguns and just give it up. I hate to see people do that because getting into the outdoors, we all know how refreshing refreshing it is for us mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I, I spend a little time in the outdoors every day of my life. But one of the things I've really taken to in uh, my older years here is uh, hunting local geese uh, in lots of areas. There's 
big flocks of uh, local geese that hang around all year long. And in Missouri here, we've had another great conservation success story with a giant Canada geese. They were thought to be extinct. And then uh, oh, a few decades ago, they were discovered in bluffs, nesting in bluffs up along the Missouri River. And, of course, the Conservation Department captured some of these geese and, and spread them around the state. And now there's some good populations. I know in our area here in the uh, mid-central Ozarks, uh, you'll find uh, flocks of geese in, in wow, round golf courses. <laughs> a lot of the Walmart stores with the big lawns have uh, flocks of resident geese, city parks, golf courses, and they can become quite the nuisance. So some people are quite proud of the fact that I hunt local geese. And I even have a spot uh, where there's a restaurant that uh, some acreage with it. It's out in the country, and a lady that owns the place allows me to goose hunt there on about a three-acre pond. And if I had ever had a grand time there this year, and uh, our place did grow up quite a bit this year, and I offered to bush hog it and cut a lot of the tall weeds and grass, get it back down to short grass because that's what uh, Canada geese like to have. They like short gre- uh, grass so that they can graze on it, but also they can see long distances and be able to uh, es- escape predators. So if you happen to see a pond that uh, has held geese and then it does not, hey, take a look at the vegetation around it. You might offer to help the landowner to get that vegetation shortened, and you might that just might be your ticket to be able to goose hunt. But I've had several good hunts this year. I built a small blind kind of back up under a uh, a willow tree and uh, just put a couple of T-posts in the, in the ground and stretched a 12-foot length of camo over it, used some of the cedar limbs off of the cedar tree to kind of block in the ends a little bit and put me a nice stool set in there, and I literally just throw out five decoys very close to this blind, usually just uh, 10 yards away to the left or the right or out front, depending on where the wind's coming from. And every trip, I've been able to harvest a limit of three giant Canada geese, and it's just been fabulous fun. I like to take friends along, and particularly uh, younger folks that uh, haven't had the opportunity to hunt Canada geese. And, of course, being a waterfowler, I do like to use my calls, and I like to call them these geese, although I probably would not have to. But usually, as soon as I hear a honk off in the distance somewhere, I grab my goose call, and I start honking back. And it's so much fun to hear these big birds respond to the calls and talk back to me. And, of course, uh, I drop that call once those geese hit the far end of the pond. They got their wings locked, and they begin to sail in. And almost 100% of the time, they'll sail right over the top of my decoys, and I've got shooting at 10 to 15 yards. And a lot of people think, well, boy, that's awful close, you know. But I use a 12-gauge with 3-inch magnum number 2s, or in some cases BBs or triple Bs, and uh, use an improved cylinder choke, which opens up rather quickly, and I'm able to take these geese at close range. And I like it, too, because uh, with those close shots, uh, you get good killing shots, and you're not, you know, having to chase birds all over the pond or all over the the place. So it it makes for easy shots, good kills, and it's easy to harvest those birds. Now, you're wondering how I get my birds out of the pond. Well, well, I do sometimes wear chest waders if they're real close. I also carry a big bass rod with a huge 
a bass plug on it with treble hooks that I can snag a goose real easy and tow them in. And uh, sometimes uh, I do pack along a 10-foot kayak that's easy to hop in and paddle out and uh, grab a goose uh, that way. But uh, goose hunting, man, locally, it's a ton of fun. It's relatively easy to do. And for old-timers, it's a great way to go because you don't have to make those long, long trips. I still make a few of them. I've got a draw coming in up at a uh, north-central Missouri for a duck hunt coming up in the next few days. And I look forward to g- going up there, but I'll have to get up at uh, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning to leave to make the hour-and-a-half drive and be there for a, a 4 o'clock draw in the morning. Now, I've got a reservation, so I'm guaranteed a hunt, but I still have to go through a draw among all the reservation holders to uh, get a spot. But... Uh, don't do many of those trips anymore, but the answer to it is these short uh, trips at home to hunt local geese, and I've got a few lakes around, too, that I can hunt uh, for migrating waterfowl. Although we're not on a major waterfowl thoroughfare uh, or flyway, I still get a fair amount of good duck hunting in in south-central Missouri. So if you're not a waterfowl hunter, think about taking it up. We need more waterfowl hunters. We have some of the greatest greatest waterfowl hunting in the country right here in the show me state we have a series of waterfowl uh, refuges and areas around the state of missouri some administered by the missouri department of conservation some by the u.s fish and wildlife uh, service and we have a north zone a middle zone and a south zone that you can hunt and of course you're going to be in the south zone you're not far from uh, uh, northern arkansas and there's some fabulous duck hunting waterfowl hunting down there as well and, of course, uh, looking uh, to the future after the waterfowl season closed down, it's not long to the conservation order for light geese kicks in, and then we can start hunting snow geese. Uh, I mean, you can hunt them during the regular season and take 20, I think. Uh, but when the conservation order is on, there's a, uh, you can take unlimited numbers, as many of them as you want, uh, because they're way overpopulated. You can take the plugs out of your gun. You can use electronic collars. And there's an opportunity to not only help with a conservation issue or a conservation problem, but you can stock up lots of geese, uh, goose meat for the freezers as well. And the guys that kill a whole lot of these, they breast them out and make sausage. Goose sausage, good stuff. But uh, whatever you do, get out in the great outdoors and enjoy the outdoors. We encourage you to get outside and to live your outdoor dreams. This has been the Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by... Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, 
Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast, as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.